0: choices, we all have unexpected challenges that come into our lives. The question is not if, but how will we choose to respond? Will we simply react or will we take the time to seek God's heart, to seek wisdom, seek understanding, and ask God to use this experience in our life? I love this story that Kevin has shared because I got a front row seat to it. Uh, Kevin's wife is one of our assistants and I I watched as their daughter went through uh, the constant uh, blacking out and and the constant uh, tremors and the constant uh, just hard times as uh, she would have these spells over and over again. As you can imagine what that would be like uh, for anyone. And then on top of that, uh, for Kevin to lose his job and then for it to take so long and then for COVID to happen. And some of you resonate with that story. Maybe you don't resonate with your daughter having seizures, but maybe you resonate with what it was like to lose a job or what it was like to lose income or to wonder what's going to happen next. And the question again becomes how will we respond if we truly believe that God is sovereign that he loves us, that he's with us, and that he redeems, then how does that lead us to live and respond? You see, all of life is made up of choices, choices that we make that determine who we are, that determine how we will impact the world that we're in how that we will live, what our reputation will be, what impact for the gospel. And through the power of the gospel, as believers, we can choose life. We can choose to allow God to be a, to be a part of the redemption process in our lives. And I truly, truly believe that. Today, we're going to look at when unexpected challenges come our way. Through the life of Mary and Joseph, I think they give us a beautiful picture of this. You know, C.S. Lewis says this. He said, when challenges come, when hard times come, we always have a choice to make. And that choice is either pushing us toward Christ or pulling us toward Satan. There are always two entities that are, uh, certainly one that's screaming self-preservation, get back, react. And then there's the Spirit of God that is drawing that is leading, that is comforting. And whichever way we go, we take a step toward God or we take a step away from him. Where are you today in the choices of your life? Where are you today in the unexpected challenges that come your way? There are three important lessons that I see through the life of Joseph and Mary that I wanna share with you, and you'll see these as we walk through the text. Number one, don't let the difficult or the hard challenges of life stop you. Don't let them harden your heart. Don't let them make you hard, but move forward in faith. Don't let unexpected challenges harden your heart, move forward in faith. It's the old, you can become bitter, which sometimes you see people when challenges come. They get angry, they get mad at God, they get mad at others. Because maybe something has happened that they don't perceive as fair or right, and maybe it's not. But then there's the test right there will we choose to say, God, I'm going to trust you in spite of this. And we become more like Christ, we become better. Or we say, God, you didn't fulfill your part. You didn't do what you want. You know I've helped, you know I've come to church, you know I've done all these things, and you've not done what you're supposed to do. We talk to him like he's our child, or maybe we think he's our employer when he's the God of the universe. And he wants to grow us. He wants to better us. He wants to glorify his kingdom through us. And we'll see that in the life of Mary and Joseph. Number two, trust God's word to change your thoughts and it will change your heart. Trust God's word to change your thoughts and it will change your heart. That's why it's so important that we read the word of God, that we learn the word of God, that we let it marinate within our minds and our spirit, that you take time each day to be still, to be quiet, to read, and to think about the word of God. As we learn the word of God, then it, begins, it starts to come out of us as well as it starts to transform us. So when Mary and Joseph receive a word from the Lord, what do they do? They move forward in faith. And Lastly, as we think about this, number three, your life, remember this, this principle, your life is a reflection of the choices you make. Let me say that one more time. Your life, what others think about you, how you feel about yourself, the impact that you make, The reputation that you have is a reflection of the choices that you make. That's who you are, the choices that you make. We can perceive what we want to be or what we think we are, but the choices and the responses that we give to life define who we are. And if the word of God and the spirit of God is dwelling richly in us, and we follow in obedience, we are becoming more like Christ. Not that we're perfect, none of us are. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at the unexpected challenges that came toward Mary and Joseph and how they responded. We're gonna start with Joseph. And uh, Joseph, in some ways, is kind of the forgotten man of Christmas. And I say that because we don't have a lot of verbiage from Joseph. Uh, We don't have a situation where it tells us a whole lot about Joseph, but we can see his character. We can see how he responded to some tremendous challenges in his life. Number one, we see now here that the birth of Jesus took place in this manner and in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So you've heard this probably before, but let's make sure we understand this. Mary and Joseph are betrothed. And in our culture, they're married. They've already had some sort of a ceremony. There's already been a bride price that has been given uh, to the father-in-law. There's already been an agreement that's worked out and so this has been worked out, and Mary's probably 15, 16 years old. She will go back home for approximately a year, that she will spend that last year with her family, preparing herself mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and physically uh, for the life that she will lead as a wife uh, of, for this, in this context, Joseph Joseph. So she's in that betrothal period, that year of waiting. Part of it was to make sure that she was pure. Part of it uh, was, again, as the husband would go and prepare a place that he might come again. Recognize that from John 14, that he might come again and take her to live with him. So it's in that in-between time. We sometimes call it the engagement period, but that would be a misnomer. Because you could not legally get out of a betrothal unless you did so through a divorce, okay? So it's, it's, it's a marriage for all practical purposes. Now, with that understood, uh, that's the p- pre- predicament, that's the situation, that's the background that Mary and Joseph are in at this point. And her husband, Joseph, notice the scripture calls her her husband, her husband, Joseph, being a just man, was unwilling to put her to shame. Now, let's stop right there. That word just, sadiq, uh, is a word that literally means uh, full, fully honoring the word of God. A full follower of the Torah, okay? The sadiq. That was a man that was considered righteous. That if you had that reputation as one who was sadiq, then the reputation was you always did what the Bible said. You always followed the law of the Torah. And so we know this about Joseph. Others know this about Joseph. He is regarded in that manner. He is, a, he is not a wealthy man. He doesn't have much. Uh, we know that from scripture, uh, from the offerings that he gives on behalf of Jesus. But we know that he is considered and regarded as Sadiq, as a righteous man, as a full follower of the law of God. But the Bible also says this, uh, he's unwilling to put her t- to shame and resolve to vo- divorce her quietly. So not only is he a full follower of the letter of the law, but he's also a follower of the heart of the law. In other words, it's not just about legalistically checking the boxes. And I do what the Bible says and I check the boxes. I go to temple, I give my sacrifice, I serve, I give, I do these things. No, there's a heart that Joseph has and we see this in this passage uh, that what he should have done or what he could have done, what most men would have done at that point, you had a couple of options. Now, yes, uh, Deuteronomy tells us that a woman could be stoned for adultery but uh, there are also supposed to be two witnesses. In this case, it's kind of in between because she's pregnant and he could have said, this is not mine. Uh, Now that's more problematic and that rarely happened uh, because of a multitude of reasons. So that was probably the unlikely, but what could have happened and what would have happened normally is she would have been publicly shamed. Now, what did that look like? Well, she would have been taken uh, to the front of the city, and uh, she would have been either tied or guarded there. Uh, They would have torn her clothes. They would have taken down her hair, which is the look of a prostitute, and people would have shamed her as they walked by. They would have made noises. They maybe would have spit toward her because it's a shame-based culture, so to speak. And so she would have been shamed, And uh, then she would have had that reputation for the rest of her life. That's normally what would have happened during this time in this culture. And that would have brought great shame and dishonor upon her and upon her entire family. But Joseph would have retained his honor. He had been faithful during the Sadiq, or or excuse me, during the betrothal period. He had been a man of Sadiq, but that's not what happens even though that's his right, even though that would preserve his reputation. I love this because Joseph is going to be willing to have his reputation tarnished in order that Mary might receive grace, might receive hope. Beautiful picture of the gospel, isn't it? So the Bible says that when Mary was betrothed, that her husband was a a just man and he's unwilling to put her to shame so he resolved to divorce her quietly. So what is he going to do? Well, you could divorce uh, a woman in particular, you could divorce someone at this time depending on which school of the rabbis you followed, there was the Hillel and the Shammai and the Hillel gave pretty much any reason that the man wanted to at that point. Um, And Hillel uh, would do that and the Shammai said for adultery. So he has grounds for both camps. He can follow either one and he can divorce her. And he chooses to do this quietly. Now that word quietly doesn't just mean it's hush hush, but without any shame, without bringing attention. That's what he's going to do. He's gonna give her the best opportunity to live and to succeed in life. And he's going to give up part of his reputation to do so. This is a very charitable, a very magnanimous, uh, really, response to Mary. So you see the kind of man that he is, he's righteous yet he's a man with a great heart. Can I tell you the people that you look up to and that you respect the most? There aren't just people who do everything right that you go, man, they really follow the law. They show up for church. You may respect that to some regard, but the people that you really respect are the men men and the women who not only are righteous, not only who do what's right, but also do so with a charitable spirit, with a gracious heart. Those who show grace, those who show mercy, Those who show a charitable spirit. And we have a man who does both. And that's Joseph. So here's Joseph. Taking one on the chin. Trying to still be righteous. Trying to do what's right. Trying to honor God. And the Bible says this. But as he considered these things, as he prayed, as it was marinating in his mind, what would be best? What would honor Yahweh? What would honor Mary? How can I not lose my reputation completely? Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph angel comes and speaks. And anytime we see an angel speaking in scripture, it's usually in preparation for something that God is about to do. we see this all throughout the whole Testament. And here in this particular situation, Joseph, I I don't want you to be afraid. It's interesting, he doesn't say, don't be afraid of me. He said, I don't want you to be afraid. What he's talking about, I don't want you to be afraid of how things are going to go. I don't want you to be afraid of what you're going to have to do. I I don't want you to be afraid that you're going to lose your reputation, that you're going to lose your standing as a righteous man. I don't want you to be afraid of the consequences. I am going to be with you. He tells Joseph this, and he says, here's what I want you to do. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Joseph knows what this means if he does this. It means that everyone will think that he's the one, that it was him. And that will be tolerable. He's probably, he's not going to be fined. He's not going to be arrested. He's not going to be punished. But his status as a righteous man will end in the minds of most. And he says, take her as your wife. For that which is in her is from the Holy Spirit. And Mary tells him this, but hey, it's never happened before. And she's 16, okay? Why would you believe it? But now God confirms it with his word through the angel. For that which is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So Here's what I want you to do, Joseph. I want you to take her as your wife. And then I want you to, after you've married her, and and I want you to follow through this. In other words, do not get a divorce. Then I want you to name him. And when you name a child, it becomes yours. Even if it wasn't before. If you adopt a child, usually when you would adopt a child, you would give it a new name in this culture. And so he's going to take Jesus as his own and he said, you are to call him Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves, for he will save the people from their sins. All people. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he knew her not. He was not intimate with her till she had given birth to the son and he called his name Jesus. So what do we see here? Well, Joseph determines not to let this difficult challenge harden his heart. He moves forward in faith. He trusts the word of God to change his thoughts, to change how he's proceeding. And because of that, because of that choice, we talk about the testimony of Joseph today. What about you? What about me? What choices are we making on behalf of the glory of God that cost us something, that we trust when we don't fully know, when we don't really understand? Then let's look at the life of Mary. These three principles still apply. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin, and Luke and Matthew both go to great lengths to let us know that Mary is a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings. Uh, This is where the phrase, Hail Mary, full of grace, comes from. Mary is favored, in other words, the spirit of god sees her and connects with her is honored by her god is glorified by her god has a extra softness toward mary he is proud of mary she is honorable she lives in a peasant village she's more certainly poor but she seemed to be somewhat educated because of her knowledge of the torah We see that if we were to continue to read in the Magnificent, if we went and read her prayer, her song. But as we see this, as she hears that you are the favored one, the Lord is with you. She's greatly troubled at the saying. Notice the Bible says at the saying, at what is said to her and tried to discern what sort of greeting might this be. When do we see that phrase, the Lord is with you? Now, we know uh, when Christ comes, Emmanuel, that he will be with his people. But that phrase, God is with you, I'll tell you where we see it. We see it with Moses when he's getting ready to go to deliver the children of Israel. We see it with Joshua. The Lord is with you before he, li- he delivers Canaan, before he takes his, uh, the, the children of Israel into Canaan. And God gives them that land. Uh, we see it with David. We see it with many of the prophets. God is with you. Anytime that phrase has been used, and Mary certainly knows her scriptures. she's probably memorized much of the Torah. She's learned it. She's listened. She has favor with God. She's righteous. She knows that, that, that someone, when anyone has heard that before, there's a big ass coming. There's something that's gonna be requested. There's something really big about to happen. And she's puzzled, why are you saying this to me? Why are you saying to me, Hail Mary, why are you saying rejoice Mary? For God has found favor with you. And the Bible says and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever and there will be no end. Um, Mary recognizes this. She knows that these are messianic words. These are messianic prophecies. This is what's going to happen. And Mary is probably like uh, every other young girl. She's been praying that the Messiah would come. Legend, this is not biblical, but legend tells us uh, that when Mary was praying one day, this is when the angel appeared, when she was on her face crying out to the Lord to send the Messiah. And now... Here's an angel saying, Mary, I want you to know you found favor with God. God is going to be with you, God is calling you. She's troubled, why me? And he says, because you're going to give birth to the Messiah, to the savior that you have anticipated that your family has so for long anticipated. But she's wondering how's this going to work? She's pondering me, I'm not worthy, I'm not educated, I'm no one, and so what does she say? How will this be since I'm a virgin? Literally what she's saying here is, so how does this happen? How will this happen, I'm, I'm a virgin? How will that occur? She has a big question, it's not one of resistance, it's one of understanding. So many times for us, our prayers are prayers of resistance. <laughs> Our responses are those of resistance as opposed to, God, how do you want to use this in my life? God, what are you saying to me? Where are you leading me? Where are you drawing me? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Holy Son of God. There's the song, Mary, Did You Know? And sometimes... Uh, People get a little bit critical of that song. I think it actually has a lot of great uh, theological background to it. What did Mary know? Well, we know, again, if we go on and we read her song, uh, we know that Mary knew what was being asked of her. Mary understood that. She understood that through her the Messiah is going to come, but I don't think that she knows that he's going to die. I don't think she knows he's going to be buried and that he's going to resurrect on the third day. I don't think she probably completely understands and doesn't know that he's gonna walk on water, that he's going to do a lot of great miracles. She believes that he will be a savior of sorts, but I don't even think she understands that he'll be the savior of the world, the savior of the Jews, but the savior of the world. And I'm saying this because of the common thought of Jewish thought during that time. Uh, It would have been a special revelation that God would have given to her if she had it. But she has been so faithful that she knows the Messiah will come and that he will save the people and that he will rescue them and that he will set things right. And there's a kingdom that has no end. She understands that, but there's a lot that she doesn't know, but yet she chooses to trust. And the Bible tells us this, and behold your relative just to affirm you, Mary, so that you know Elizabeth in her old age will conceive a son in the sixth month with her who's called barren. In other words, she's past childbearing years. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then here's Mary's response. Knowing some, not knowing everything, but choosing and believing to trust. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Literally that word, I am the slave of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed her. Mary, you don't have to be afraid. I know what you think is going to happen. I know you believe you'll be shamed. I know you wonder, will Joseph believe? Will Joseph follow through? I know you have fears. I know this doesn't make sense to you, but I want you to trust. I want you to believe and move forward. That's the word she's given and she does so. We sing about her today and we hear songs today, we hear stories today because of the choices she made. And what were those choices? Well, she chose even when she was challenged, an unexpected challenge in life to move forward in faith, to trust God's word, to change her thoughts on the way that she thought about how things were supposed to be and how things were supposed to work. And her choices reflect her character and who she is. So what about you and me? How do we handle things today in life? Let's, let's look at some practical things that we can do. How God redeems challenges in our life and what part we can play in it as we, through the power of the gospel, live out our life. Number one, when unexpected challenges come into our lives, here's the first thing we need to do. We need to pray. I know it's, uh, for some of us, it's scream and yell and cuss, uh, but the first response hopefully can be to just stop and just pray and just determine, I wanna act as opposed to react. I wanna act as opposed to react. So stop and pray, take a moment. First thing you ought to pray is thank God in advance that he redeems, that he can redeem all things, that he can use even this, that he will work in and through this. Number two, ask God for wisdom. Ask him to grant you wisdom. James tells us to pray and to ask for wisdom. Not how you get out of the situation, not how you beat someone, but God, how can I have godly wisdom that will be honoring and that will be life-sustaining, that will bring glory to you? God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding that I don't have on my own as I am feeling what's going on. The next thing that we can do after we ask for wisdom is to do this. We can pray and ask for somebody's godly counsel. In other words, seek someone who we respect to pray for us and to give us godly counsel. Ask someone to pray for you. Maybe you have several people pray for you and ask them to give you godly counsel. You know, I had a couple, our staff gave me godly counsel a couple weeks ago. You wouldn't believe this, but I was really angry. I was really frustrated, and I know something about myself. If I make decisions in anger, uh, I'm usually unhappy about that later. And it was, you know, candidly, let's do a time of confession here. uh, (laughs) It was mostly ego. My ego was bruised my reputation was bruised because of something someone had said and so I'm angry and I, I wanna get even. Aren't you glad you came to church here today? Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm feeling and so I know myself well enough, I'm praying but I can't pray very well so I have to sit down with two of the guys on our staff and I said look, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I want to do and you need to know it, because if I do it, you'll know my complete motives. And so I told them, and they said, yeah, that, don't do that. <laughs> and now I'm accountable. Now, I wish I'd do that every time, but sometimes we just need to do that because we're stuck. Have you ever been there? Have you've been, been so aggravated or annoyed, and I'm not talking about with your children. I, I, you're just so... F- frustrated and you know you can do something you can throw out a zinger you can fire a bullet you can hurt someone And what do you choose to do at that moment well hopefully you choose to pray hopefully you choose to seek wisdom and you in that wisdom ask someone for counsel hey make me accountable here's what i'm feeling here's what i want to go do here's what i want to go say And ask someone you respect and see if they think that's a good idea. And if you really respect them, they'll probably tell you, no, let's think about this a little further. Let's pray about that. Let's talk about how you can handle this. Next, remember God's glory is your ultimate goal. That's why you exist, to bring glory to God. That's why you're here. It's not to have an easy life. It's not to get more stuff. It's not so that you can have some happy feelings. It's to bring God glory. Mary and Joseph understood this really, really well. That was their greatest objective. And how do I have that? Seek a kingdom perspective. Seek a kingdom perspective. Now, what do I mean a kingdom perspective? Well, let's talk about that for just one second. A kingdom perspective is this. It's God, what would be best for you and your people in the church that I'm a part of, the church as a whole, the church, (laughs) big C and little C. God, give me the kingdom. Let me seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And then God, I'm gonna ask you to add these things to me. I'm gonna ask you to address, but Lord, I wanna seek you first. God, Here and here's how I think we ought to get here. And this is why I think Advent, why we celebrate Advent. You are to live these four weeks as if Jesus is coming on Christmas Day that he comes, he blows the whistle and says, all right, everybody out of the pool, and that's it. And if you believe that, how would you live today? How about this at least? If you knew Jesus was gonna come before next Christmas, what would you make of this next year? What relationships would you try to repair? Who would you offer forgiveness to? Who would you share the gospel with? Who would you begin to fervently pray for? That's a kingdom perspective. To live like he's coming at Christmas. To live like he's coming soon. And that the most important things is where I put my emphasis. Not when my ego gets bruised. It's hard, isn't it? Because we live in a culture that tells us the exact opposite. So you may not know how everything's going to turn out in whatever challenge you're facing today. But you can understand this, that God is sovereign, that God loves you, that God is with you, and that God can redeem all things that you can know.